So most of the times we uh, hear these questions and especially from the uh, whoever goes to Sri Aurobindo Ashram or comes in contact with integral yoga what exactly is meant by practicing integral yoga what is done and we have some preconceived ideas about an ashram and practicing yoga and then we think that nothing is done in the Sri Aurobindo Ashram or there is no structured way of practicing this yoga or what exactly if someone is really sincerely willing to join and participate here in this whole system of yoga what is to be done and this happens to everyone it happened to me also 20 years before when I came I thought what, what do I do I have come to practice this integral yoga but what do I do what is the work should I sit for meditation there is no fixed rule should I do something like in other places you have a strict discipline of doing something, do pranayam or do yoga or yogasanas or sit for meditation or do something, do satsang. Nothing is there. No disciplined, structured way of practicing integral yoga. But I used to go to the samadhi to do pranam and one day and I used to read this, what is written on the Samadhi, what Mother has written. That all that Sri Aurobindo has done for all of us. How he has sacrificed his entire life. So there was a deep sense of gratitude from me. And then I thought maybe this is the beginning. Like if we can remain grateful for all that they have done, this is the beginning of practicing integral yoga with infinite gratitude, in a state of infinite gratitude. And they have not done anything for themselves. They have done everything. And if we exist, we exist for them. That is the sacrifice they have done. We've, and from here, the practice of integral yoga can start that to remain grateful. How do we remain grateful? Again, you can ask this question, what is gratitude? Sometimes this question youngsters ask and mother has given a beautiful answer to it. Be happy. When you remain happy, you remain grateful to the divine. But then what is happiness? How do I remain happy? Each step you can ask question and there is an answer from mother and Sri It is not that there is not a structured way where you can find you know, what is to be done in integral yoga practice. There are a lot of guidelines from Mother and Sri Aurobindo. But then you can ask these questions. When you ask these questions, like, do I have control over my speech? Do I know how to speak properly? Do I know how to sleep properly? Do I know how to eat properly? Do I have control over all my senses, my greed, my anger, my irritation. Look at every aspect of your life. It's a very practical system of yoga. Very practical. At each step, an opportunity is given to you to remain conscious and work on yourself. 
this working on yourself like when shivendra was asked like what is meant by ashram he said it's a it's not ashram in a traditional sense it's a human laboratory everyone has to work on himself and there is immense opportunity every moment there's something you have to work on yourself just look at yourself be conscious ask these questions who am i what do i do whether whatever i am doing is doing with the right attitude or not this is again another big question someone asked the mother mother see i'm very poor fellow so many years i'm working here and i work with all sincerity i do all my works properly but and mother also knows that this sadhak is doing work very sincerely but he was very much you know painful he said mother that i can't meditate everyone i find meditating sitting for long time in meditation but i can't even for few seconds i can't close my eyes and meditate what is meant by meditation mother then she gave a beautiful answer she said meditation does not mean to sit cross legged with eyes closed but meditation means any work done with right attitude is meditation you can sweep a floor you can clean the toilet you can do anything there is no big work or small work this is what is the gita is teaching the sense of karma yoga whatever you may be doing do it with that right right attitude and offer yourself in connection i always refer to that something divine like what we have been uh, listening from alok bhai or yesterday like what the vedic idea of sacrifice that there is the divine has sacrificed himself in the matter to awaken consciousness in the matter that is the biggest sacrifice that the divine has done then matter must grow like we must grow to become that divine or you know get identified with that divine this whole this is the process of yagya this is the process of uh, the sacrifice the whole evolutionary process and in that i'll first tell you what if you are looking for guidelines in sri aurobindo's yoga or the integral yoga in the practice of integral yoga so what is the first thing that why should we do yoga any yoga why should we look for you know sri aurobindo or this or that why should we look for because we are not really happy with the state of existence the state in which we remain we are looking for something some change change has to happen you cannot deny change no one can deny change but how do we change what are we going to change and mother has a beautiful thing she, she puts it like this the progress is the aim the progress towards the ultimate goal so are you conscious of what is the goal of your life this is why she puts and you cannot really separate the principles of integral yoga and the principles of integral education both are same the first thing is what is the aim of my life are we conscious of that and once you become conscious of the what is the aim of my life then slowly step by step step by step you will see so many questions coming in your mind so many things you are becoming aware of and you have fine guidelines from mother and sri aurobindo this supports the, the progress is the thing means practicing yoga so how do we progress she gives a fourfold step she says the first step towards progress is you must be convinced that you can change 
unless this conviction comes okay, everyone likes that okay uh, we can change but you must be convinced that you can change that's the first step towards progress this conviction strong conviction must comes but that is just the beginning and the second step she says once this conviction has come then you must will to change that sankalpa has to be there you must will to change the mere conviction will not do the conviction has come yes we can change but how do i change unless and until you want it the change will not come to you nahi supta se simhasya pravishante mukhe mruga the lion the deers will not come and enter into the sleeping lion's mouth the lion has to get up run after it kill it and then have it for his food if you just keep sleeping that okay food will come to me it will never come so we must will for that change and the third step she says mere will also will not do okay you have a very strong will that yes i must change but what efforts you make and in the path of progress you will find lot of obstacles lot of hurdles she says persist in your will in spite of all failures this persistence has to be there perseverance endurance everything whatever happens i am not stepping back i have to march forward charai veti charai veti i'll keep moving forward and then the final step she says you must have the ultimate faith in the divine and without that ultimate faith all your individual efforts all endeavors are failure it is she who that force or that this faith in the divine that can make you progress in the path ultimate faith unfailing faith and then this faith when this faith is there strong the shraddha but it's 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 not just mere faith what is what what exactly is this faith that you say look like, i have faith in the divine i trust divine but it's not an easy thing to practice again the faith if you look at the word shraddha in sanskrit or where the vedic tradition has kept gives so much importance has given so much importance to this word shraddha so shraddha means and this is what is also like if you read what mother speaks about when she says she has a very simple program for practicing the yoga she says be simple be sincere remain happy open yourself to my force rest will be taken care of simple program but what is simplicity what is sincerity how do i open myself what is meant by opening and the and sri aurobindo says when he is you know like lot of letters lot of questions were asked to him if you go to letters on yoga and various other places this is this whole the principle of this integral yoga is to give yourself self giving but to give yourself to whom should i give or how should i give for what purpose should i give with what attitude should i give this is to give yourself entirely to whom to the divine 
and for what purpose so then you can bring to yourself and he uses the word from the transcendent height you can bring yourself to purity light the force everything will come from above and will transform your nature that's why sri aurobindo's yoga this integral yoga it is not just integral yoga it has so many names you have to attain the ultimate goal is to bring supramental force to transform everything so it's known as atimanasi yoga or the supramental yoga transformation of nature he says shivendra says at one place like people have realized brahman here you can have a spiritualized mind entirely spiritualized mind attain nirvana yet you have not practiced integral yoga so the what happens is in integral yoga the realization of the psychic being is important the psychic must guide everything all different parts of our consciousness but this is where the practice of yoga comes like whether my body is capable of doing all the different works that i have that is meant to be done by me so what is the education that i am giving to the body my physical consciousness and are my re- emotions refined my vital being refined that all the pure emotions are appearing in me if you look at like how many perverted emotions that we have we have to work on our emotions we have to work on our physical being is my mind different layers of mind how do i have control over my thoughts how do i have control over my mind the most difficult task arjuna tells ask this to krishna in the gita that you are putting me into a very difficult task you are saying that have control over your mind but how do i have control over my mind chanchalam hi manah krishna pramathi balavad dridham is it is so stubborn it doesn't want to listen how can i have control how do i tell my mind and says the vayuriva sudushkaram like it in a wind windy situation in a stormy situation as you cannot have control over anything so mind is like that running after thousand things how can i have control over my mind then he says two things which sri arbindo also you know speaks about this the very important word in the tradition and in sri arbindo's integral yoga is abhyas abhyasena to kaunte vairagyena to grihate this abhyas and vairagya are two very important words in sri arbindo's integral yoga i mean it's it's repeated in the gita also this abhyas does not mean a regular practice of things but abhyas if you look at closely the word and the way sri arbindo has explained in various contexts abhyas is like whatever you want to achieve you be concentrated and keep that right in front of your consciousness abhyasa put it place it right in front of your consciousness it's always there whatever you may be doing it's right in front of you in every situation at all times so this giving yourself is the whole principle of the integral yoga give yourself to the divine to bring to yourself all the beauty light purity everything from the transcendent height so then that can transform what is said in the gita uddhare datmanatmanam by the higher self you deliver the lower self this is a question again asked what is are there two selves 
what do we mean by these two selves so sometimes this is very beautifully uh, explained by the mother and by sri aurobindo that our different layers of mind different parts of our being they come in contact with that higher self mind or a pure emotion or some parts of our physical being they come in contact with certain times it just happens and we become suddenly aware of that part of our mind and we consider it as oh, that is the central being but that's not that is the uh, you know that's my soul and we that's that's what mother says that okay this is the soul many people say but that's that's not the soul the central being the psychic being is very deep within and it comes and then disappears like it touches those parts but it doesn't entirely transform those because there are many layers which have to be broken up so we need to find out and when we give ourselves so giving ourselves is, and mother puts it in a very clear language open yourself how do i open myself what is, what is meant by opening myself and how it has to be done and then the process which is given is the constant remembrance of the divine constantly you remember and by this remembrance of the divine that will help opening that will start the process of opening in you itself constant remembrance not for a single moment you forget and ramakrishna has given a beautiful example he says like uh, look at a pond which is uh, covered with those leaves you know you don't see the water there and if you want to see the water throw a stone and then it clears up you see the water but what happens is after sometimes again they gather you don't see the water but if you want to see the water all the times keep throwing <laughs> keep throwing this is the constant remember you know how how difficult is it but this is the way constant remembrance of the remembrance of the divine can start the process of opening you opening many faculties in your faculties making you conscious of the different layers of the parts of the being and you become conscious of that you start working on that this is how the process is given and the three uh, when you constantly remember the divine and you open yourself you have to you have to do that with the faith and the assurance which is given is the ultimate assurance that the work will be done but you have to open yourself they have made like what alokbhai said that they have made the yoga easy for us they said that mother said that you don't have to do anything you just open yourself to my force and open and then she gives a beautiful uh, you know image before us how do i open open like a be like a flower remember what mother said be like a flower flower open frank equal generous kind how the, how a flower is opening itself to the light and then there are lot of processes lot of guidelines which are given there she says like when evening comes you can see the leaves are closing the trees are sleeping but it's not sleeping they are in a state of meditation they become silent and silently they keep aspiring for the light and the, then she says that i mean yesterday alokbhai had mentioned about this like how she has seen and talked to the trees the plants the flowers she says from the root that aspiration seeking for the light it spreads through all the branches 
and they look above and you identify yourself and put yourself in that situation and start aspiring for the light then you see how beautifully the opening will happen and the flowers she says have a very intense psychic presence if you can look at the flower be in the presence of the flowers and be like a flower keep opening yourself so that connected with this self giving the other words other important words in the integral yoga of sri aurobindo and the mother is surrender self offering or self giving and consecration but these are three steps they are not the same thing they are not synonymous with each other there's a beautiful write up which i'm going to read out to you from the mother where she explains beautifully what exactly is meant by self giving and what is meant by surrender and what is meant by consecration she says surrender is the first step okay surrender and what is this surrender she explains surrender is the decision taken to hand over the responsibility of your life to the divine and this is a psychic decision a psychic will that yes i am going to hand over the responsibility of my entire life to the divine and then she says without this decision nothing is at all possible if you do not surrender the yoga is entirely out of the question if you do not surrender the yoga is out of question the first step in the integral yoga is surrender and this decision must come from within spontaneously that i'm going to hand over my life entirely to the this the responsibility of my life entirely to the divine then she says everything else comes naturally after it for the whole process starts with surrender you can surrender either through knowledge or through devotion you may have a strong intuition that the divine alone is the truth and a luminous conviction that without the divine you cannot manage like it's, it's only like what shrivindo puts in his language that give yourself entirely to the divine to no one else so ananya cheta of the gita like your mind is turned towards nothing but towards only the divine you may have a strong intuition that the divine alone is the truth or a luminous conviction that without the divine you cannot manage or you may have a spontaneous feeling that this line is the only way of being happy a strong psychic desire to belong exclusively to the divine i do not belong to myself you say and give up the responsibility of your being to the truth when this happens what she says like when this takes place naturally other things proceed what is the next step she says once this happens when you feel that okay i cannot manage without the divine without him nothing can happen my my life is entirely at his disposal he said then comes self offering that's the second step there's a difference between surrender self offering or self giving these are the two terminologies which mother uses here so then comes self offering 
here and and very beautifully if you you know look carefully mother's words what is what exactly is meant by self giving or self offering he said this happens the surrender happens when it is a strong psychic desire that it wants to give up the responsibility of life to the divine then at this stage self offering and self giving here i am a creature of various qualities good and bad dark and enlightened i offer myself as i am to you and most of the times we fail to do it when we go to the ashram or go to any temple we keep all our bad things outside he said no no i am going to the ashram i should not you know have this type of feelings or anything and then when we come back we carry those things like we deposit our bags and while going we take along with us it remains as it is so mother says that give everything even that bad aspect of it you give everything as you are don't pretend so we all are pretending when we go to i remain clean absolutely near samadhi no thought of money no thought of position no thought of girlfriend no thought of boyfriend nothing just the mother and all these things remain at the back side and we do not offer and unless and until you offer it it doesn't get transformed so it is like depositing something giving to the divine all these things when depositing money in the bank and when you get back you get with interest it's same thing like when you give your bad things also she will return you but she will transform it and give it to you so she says i offer myself as i am to you take me up with all my ups and downs conflicting impulses and tendencies do whatever you like with me there is no pretension in the course of your self offering this this is important and this explains what is the difference between surrender self giving and self offering this is in the course of your self offering you start unifying your being around what has taken the first decision the central psychic will this unification this harmonization bringing together of all the movements of your being is important at this then this is what happens at the self giving level in the course of your self offering you start unifying your being around that has taken the first decision the central psychic will all the jarring elements of your nature have to be harmonized they have to be taken off one after another unified with the central being you may offer yourself to the divine with a spontaneous movement but it is not possible to give yourself effectively this is again important very remarkable in the context of self giving but it is not possible to give yourself effectively without this unification so then what happens is some parts may be giving them to opening themselves to the divine other parts there will be reservation and very beautifully it is explained in the book the mother like when you give you give entirely you should see that there is no reservation no bargaining no demand most of the times we bargain with the divine if this happens fine if this happens no and our entire uh, thing all that we want to achieve is centered around this bargaining this dependence and we don't we don't feel happy what mother says that remain happy remain happy does not mean that all the things that you ask to the divine gets fulfilled and you are happy and all that does not get fulfilled so it creates unhappiness for you this is a beautiful uh, phrase in the gita 
the word is nirashraya and it's used only once in the gita you know what does nirashraya mean usually people feel that okay nirashraya is shelterless and then i asked this question will you be happy to be blessed with the word nirashraya i said no 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 one should bless me with the word nirashraya nirashraya is okay fine and sometimes they explain it nirashraya mam jagadish rakhe when i don't have any ashray so i take the ashray of support of the divine but that is what is not meant by the word nirashraya when krishna tells arjuna that be nirashraya and sri aurobindo explains it in his essays on the gita very beautifully and the same thing is explained again by the mother when she speaks about the vital education this is nirashraya means this this dependence like if this happens i am happy this doesn't happen i am unhappy says arjuna drop this dependence this external dependence rely only on the divine drop all the external dependence so nir ashraya ashraya means this dependence nir drop without then you can become nitya trupta this nitya trupta is when eternally contented you will become nitya truptata will come only when you drop this dependence and then what is the way out then he gives another phrase in the gita itself yadruccha labha santushta there are beautiful phrases yadruccha labha santushta whatever comes you are happy you are satisfied no complaint no bargaining no demand nothing but remaining happy also there is a danger in it remaining satisfied also even you can remain happy but never remain satisfied so there was one couple which came to the ashram and they seemed to be very happy and people had really not seen such happy couple They're really happy healthy wealthy and they you know uh, radiated some kind of happiness you feel in the presence that they are so happy they were taken to the mother and then when they came back someone asked about them mother said hopeless they are satisfied the all possibility of growth is closed they are so satisfied they are satisfied with everything but that's not the happiness that is not the that is not what is meant by yadrucha labha santushta or remaining happy there has to be this aspiration towards growth giving yourself constantly remembering the divine so she says this self giving you may offer yourself to the divine with a spontaneous movement but it is not possible to give yourself effectively without this unification the more you are unified the more you are able to realize self giving so the entire thing everything must come forward to collaborate with that central aspiration every aspect of your being if a single part doesn't participate in this yagya then it's not a complete self giving and once the self giving is complete then there is a next step the third step or the culmination consecration follows and often consecrate consecration and often we mix up these terms surrender self giving offering consecration all are same synonymous but how beautifully mother explains and gives the difference between all these terminologies he said once the self giving is complete consecration follows it is the crown of the whole process of realization the last step of the gradation after which there is no more trouble 
and everything runs smoothly. But you must not forget that you cannot become integrally consecrated at once. So never dream that okay, it will happen overnight. These are steps, and since you are often deluded into such a belief, when for a day or two you have a strong movement of a particular kind, you are led to hope that everything else will automatically follow in its wake. But in fact, if you become the least bit self-complacent, you retard your own advance. So, this is the what is meant by self-giving, self-offering, surrender, and consecration. You start with surrender, then the process of self-giving and self-offering, then it culminates in the process of consecration. But one has to keep that fire burning always. And this, when that happens, when you entirely give yourself, and I, I'll just pick up few verses from the Gita and especially what is meant by the entire self-giving is uh, explained or you know spoken in the Gita by using one particular phrase uh, towards the end, verse number 65 in chapter 18. And he says, Manmana bhava madbhakta madhyaji maam namaskuru. So, Manmana bhava become, usually translated as become my minded. What does it mean to become my minded or the divine minded? Give entirely your mind. This was a question, this was a dialogue between again Janak and Ashtavakra. This explains what is meant by Manmana bhava. And Srivanda when gives you know interprets this verse, he says that give entirely your mind. So then when you think it is the divine who is thinking through your mind, you give yourself so giving yourself completely to the divine means and the responsibility of your life entirely to the divine means it is divine who is working through you. Anything that you do. So Manmana Baba, this Ashtavakra uh, Janaka goes to learn something from Ashtavakra. So he prostrates himself. And you know the story, like uh, Janak always has conferences, satsang. So once he had a big conference of Brahma Jnanis. And there Ashtavakra appeared. Ashtavakra was uh, the grandson of Rishi Uddhalaka. So he had eight curves in his body. When he walked, he walked in a funny way. And all the Brahmagyanis in Janaka's court, they burst into laughter. And then Ashtavakra also started laughing. Then Janak kept quiet and he asked, I can understand why others are laughing, but I don't understand why you are laughing. He says, simple. You had made this announcement that this is a conference of Brahmagyanis, but I see only Chamaras. The Chamar knows only the skin, not the Brahman within, not the self. This is what, you know, I am laughing. It is the, cham the conference of Chamar. So that's what makes me laugh. Then he turns back. Then Janak goes and then begs pardon and then he says, I want to learn from you. Then it was a simple dialogue between Ashtavakra and Janaka. Janak says, yeah, Ashtavakra says, like if you want to 
learn something from me give your mind to me he says okay i give my mind to you and then ashtavakra reminds him see from this moment you have no right to think or do anything with your mind because you have given it to me this is what is you know manmana bhava it's not a simple phrase manmana bhava mad bhakta turn entirely to me all your devotion all your emotions are entirely given to me when there is any emotion it is the emotion from the divine you feel for the divine madhyaji do whatever you are doing madhyaji is usually translated as do sacrifice do the yagya for me but any work you do you do it as an offering to the divine it can be any work gita or in, when you turn to sri arbindo's integral yoga they don't make any difference between big work this work or that work there's no difference any work you may be doing what is important is the attitude the attitude with which you do the consciousness from which you do the work and the karma yoga means a new birth of consciousness into a higher consciousness but when this new birth takes place it doesn't mean that you don't have any work you continue working as an expression every work that you do after that new birth must be an expression of that higher consciousness must be an expression of that new birth into the higher consciousness so manmana bhava mad bhakta mad yaji and the last phrase is very important maam namaskuru maam namaskuru really does not mean that do pranam to me or bow down to me or prostrate yourself to me it's a very powerful word namaste when we do say namaste or namas go back to the root sound of namas and this is what you know like uh, when i contemplate on this word namas this whole thing what shivanand has written in the book the mother that appears before me so nam root sound nam from which the words namas or namaz or namaskar or pranam nati namaniyam vinamrata namrata all these words have been derived it means to remain plastic to be plastic and supple so you remain plastic in each and every part of your being that the divine can mold you in any way it wants no reservation no bargaining no demand entirely plastic in whatever way he wants to do it he will do it you become nimitta matram nimitta matram bhava savya sachen you become a nimitta you become an instrument absolutely plastic whatever the divine wants it will do will, the work of the divine will be done through you and when that happens and what mother says about the consecration the last verse of the gita sarva dharman parityajya mamekam sharanam braja come completely give up everything you have no responsibility nothing you are mine but often we uh, this is also said by the mother most of the times we say let thy will be done but we take our will as the divine will we say that if this is done then fine again this confusion always happen this bargaining is always there this demand is always there and if we can like you observe closely yourself instead of blaming others or looking at others just look at yourself and say that how much you complain and demand and pretend and bargain all these things are there first we must become clear of all these things 
that is what is following the path of yoga if you are not working on yourself and just doing meditation or certain practice at a regular time or doing some yoga or whatever in a structured manner it's not going to help that's what you know the psychic realization the bringing the psychic to the front is not an easy job it doesn't have and shivananda says that you know people have realized the brahman but the psychic psychicization has not taken place they have not realized the psychic but the, the mind has the capability the potentiality to become spiritualized you know attain to a state of nirvana but psychic is not yet realized and then this psychic when the psychic realization happens that every aspect of your life your mind your body everything every part of the consciousness will be ruled by that is meant by the swabhav niyata karma everything is regulated by that psychic that inner soul and then i'll uh, this mamekam sharanam braja is a very powerful sentence i'll share with some my one of my personal experiences with this word and which had given me great opening which i didn't understand and i've read gita so many times now also i have not understood i don't claim that i have understood the gita but there is some sincerity which is with which i am seeking to understand the gita but uh, it was the time when we were preparing the multimedia cd on the gita my wife and myself we were working on it my wife's work was to put everything into the computer and uh, we were just newly married that time she used to work in the computer section below and i used to work on the research section so morning she will work and then send me the print out i'll do the proof reading and then afternoon we sit and do the correction and uh, then one day i went so she has closed everything and she is crying i said maybe she is new something must have happened to her like i asked her did any phone call came to you or did uh, anything happen any anyone told you anything and then she said no no please don't disturb me and then i kept on insisting because i have to know wh- what is the problem like why are you crying and then it was really a great uh, understanding for me and then she opened the screen she says that uh, i'm just typing the last word of sri krishna mamekam sharanam braja and the exp- uh, the expression which she told me what an assurance i mean it's talk to her what an assurance this is the divine assurance that everything will be taken care of when you give yourself completely and she just told me what an assurance and this this phrase had you know given me a deeper understanding of the i said you have understood the gita finally <laughs> i have not understood till so far i have worked on it and this this assurance has been given so many times by the mother give yourself you have nothing be simple be sincere remain happy open yourself to my force rest will be taken care of i'll tell you some of the stories in the ashram this explaining you the power of self giving long back i mean not very long back there was one sadhak you may be knowing ravindra ji so he had lot of responsibilities mother had given lot of responsibilities to him one of the responsibilities was to look after the newcomers and take them to the mother and give them assign them work and it was during that time there was another sadhak who was responsible for cleaning the toilets of the ashram 
but don't ask me who was that sadhak and uh, no names i really don't know the names but this is what i have heard and uh, what should matter is the teaching that is there in this story so he used to take care of cleaning the toilets individual toilets and the common toilets and he did it with so much joy can't imagine this is what those who have seen they have said that he did it with so much sincerity cleaning the toilet you will not feel like cleaning we don't clean our own toilets also <laughs> at home and we scold if the person has not done it properly why have you not done properly today i found it difficult to go there <laughs> so he did it for others for the common toilets and suddenly one day he passed away and imagine from next day onwards there is no one to clean the toilets and people are not familiar with doing this work and then after that no one even came forward to clean his own toilet we are thinking that if tomorrow someone is appointed whether they will allow that person to clean my toilet or not on the basis that okay you are cleaning then the work is done why should he go and clean the toilet and no one came forward no one cleaned the toilet just put the water into that and ravindra ji went on asking so many people will you do this work no there was so much of shrinking so much of hesitation that no one came forward any newcomer came so he interviewed what work you want to do any work you give me i have come to the ashram so whatever work is given to me i'll do will you do the take up the job of cleaning the toilet no sir please don't tell me to do that apart from that any work you give me i'll do so it went on for few months and then one day he 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 was getting frustrated and one day in a fine morning he got up and he had a very spontaneously something is coming up in ravindra ji's heart so he felt very happy and he went to the mother he said mother something very beautiful happening in me and um, i have tried my best to find someone who can clean the toilet but no one i felt no one is willing to do that but this is the feeling which is coming that if you can give my responsibilities to others then i'll take up this responsibility i want to do it and there is i'm not saying for any other reason but there is a very strong feeling and there is a joy in it that i want to uh, volunteer for this then mother smiled mother said wait wait then he waited because he can't do anything mother sanction is not there and then after some days then a young boy comes so he is interviewed he was asked what work you want to take up he said any work you give me he said yeah that everyone says but you tell me which work will make your life he said that okay i have got my work he said if you don't mind if the cleaning of all the toilets or any sways if it is given to me i'll be very happy he said why do you say that he said i was very much inspired by uh looking at my father who did this work in another ashram and i'll be very happy and i i almost had decided that if i have to lead a life i will join some ashram and i'll do this work and then ravindra ji had tears in his eyes anyway the work is given this he was taken to the mother it was granted he is now fortunately so we can you know externally we can take it as a miracle something mother did we humans tried in our own way but mother had her own way so so many things so many ways we can interpret but fortunately ravindra ji asked the mother one day 
Mother, was it a miracle? You really did a miracle. You know, I tried so many times, so many months, but it didn't happen. But that day I came, and then you said wait, and then after that, after a few days, it's happening. So what did you do? The mother said, I didn't do anything. Whatever is done, is done by you. He said, how? He said, look, for all these days, there was so much of shrinking, so much of hesitation. No one was coming forward to give himself for this work. And this shrinking has created a wall in the collective consciousness. All the doors it closed. And when you came, so spontaneously, joyfully, you gave yourself. And there was so much power in that self-giving. It broke that wall. All the doors are open. Not one. Many more will turn to that. But this is the power of self-giving. That it can break. But our shrinking nature, what is very beautifully described in the Gita, when Arjuna says, and in the beginning of the Gita, in the chapter 2, he is referring to a particular dosha, which is which every one of us is carrying. You know what is that dosha? It says karpanya dosha, karpanya dosho pahadasvabhava. What is this karpanya dosha? The miserliness. And you ask, who is a miser? We refer to oh, this is a miser, this is a miser, this is. But we forget there is a great miser sitting in us. So any time, ask yourself, how many times in a day you shrink? You have hesitation. Nah. How many times you really, you know, joyfully you give yourself. This karpanya dosha, it has affected all our consciousness. And as long as it is there, it is not broken, the self-giving cannot take place. Remember of the karpanya dosha. Invoke mother's presence. Open yourself and see, you will slowly get rid of that. And then the surrender can take place. And the real yoga can happen in your life. Thank you. But I'll just <laughs> see the simple sutra which Mother and Sri have given is step back. Like how do we have control over ourselves or the emotions or anger or anything which comes? That's what is the question? Negative. The first thing, like say anger you take, is one negative force, which is very, very dangerous. And uh, the guideline is, the most beautiful guideline is step back. Hold yourself. And mother says, hold yourself tight. Don't give way. <laughs> Don't give way to the negative forces. So this stepping back, I mean, there are several processes, like sometimes, you know, you can tear the papers or do something, you know, divert it. But the stepping back is a very uh, uh, powerful uh, formula, a powerful way of getting rid of uh, the negative forces. And it can be elaborated by Alok Bhai. Very true, very true. It's difficult, but it's not impossible. 
the potentiality is given to you it's not impossible yeah so there are you know like uh, one by one we can see that in the initial stages you'll just flow with it and you'll get angry so what do you do is that at that moment you have you know one has flown got angry or you know succumb to a desire uh, or anything that you know aditi says a negative feeling but there are moments when this storm subsides very naturally all right so during that moment you bring back that which happened and uh, consecrate to her try to understand why this whole thing happens was it really worth it i mean all this at every level important thing is that don't justify it so uh, you know the first reason why these impulses continue ad infinitum is because the mind keeps justifying it so at least you know it is a good gain if say that day when the storm is subsided the next day you look back and see this now instead of stepping back you are looking back and you are seeing that look was it really worth it it caused so much of unnecessary anger disturbance inside me disturbance in others so once you look back your mind stops justifying it is big gain then again it will happen in spite of all this remembrance at that point one is forgets it you know that's what the gita says even the mind of sage is driven by these things you know certain passions are very strong certain impulses are very strong in nature again do the same practice exercise come back when you look back don't justify keep on offering to her but what you should avoid is that don't start wallowing in self guilt and you know like uh, when we stop justifying then we may take another movement oh i am so bad i am so horrible that is the other part to be avoided because then the again the negative forces enter us and make us feel we are not worthy we are useless so do that along with that develop those reserves which can fight naturally against these things like you know what do you do to build a body resistance Uh, you don't take antibiotics antibiotics are antidotes you take vitamin c and other thing which will naturally build a body resistance so there are in us uh, or in the higher consciousness powers which naturally serve as an antidote to these things for instance peace so aspire for peace aspire for equanimity try to practice equanimity call peace ask mother for peace and equanimity now as peace and equanimity grow in the nature it will become more and more uh, difficult to yield to these impulses now there again you will see there is a whole hierarchy so what one will observe is that in the beginning one was yielding to anything you know one was getting angry over stupid small things then you will see that after a while you don't get angry on stupid small things but only on stupid things not small things okay then one observes that one gets angry on certain things which one feels is of crucial importance so it is not that these things will go in one day so as you grow you will see that the capacity to take the onrush of anger uh, loses its hold then the, you know the i'm tracing the whole process because uh, you know sometimes uh, one may observe paradoxical things you try to work on a tendency you may see that it increases now why it increases is because either it comes from the subconscious where it is hidden there are people who don't get angry and suddenly when they take to the uh, yogic path suddenly they find these impulses coming up that's because they were hidden inside under a facade of humanness and they suddenly come up the second problem which takes place is that as we can you know proceed on the path of sadhana our little zone opens up to 
things which are around normally we are shut up in a small shell now this shell becomes wider and we begin to get influenced by people around so the third important thing to observe is that try to be careful of the company you keep because you know many things come as a kind of vibration which is contaminates us like going to a market you don't uh, you have not thought of buying anything but you enter a shop and we feel like buying so this because these vibrations are there in the atmosphere anger is there in the atmosphere uh, sometimes simply because one is living in a atmosphere where anger is there you will keep getting contaminated so you won't even realize you'll think it's your anger but it's not your anger then along with that uh, one can observe that there are many things inside our nature which support a certain tendency for instance impatience impatience is like a feeder to anger so observe these things and work on the, them also then along with that of course if at the moment when an impulse is coming over a period of time you will become conscious that look i mean a wave of anger is coming it's you know beginning to rise up take hold of my being at that point of time you can practice any of these things one is like step back like stepping back means uh, getting into a zone of consciousness which is peaceful and trying to see after all how important it is to end up being angry with these things or if you have immediately got angry the next moment just calm down call peace and you will see that it rose like a peak and fell down and that's the end of it or you can even divert yourself to something else or you can keep on asking for help so when you try all these things all these permutation combinations then some difficulties of nature will drop off very fast because aditi's question you know includes everything all things in the world including desires etc while i appreciate it it's a long journey so some things will drop off very fast because they are not so prominent in our nature but some things will take longer because they are more prominent in our nature each nature has its own difficulties and each nature has its own uh, you know um, possibilities so there are people with a strong sense of justice and they have uh, paradoxically its reverse side is anger proneness simply because you know they always feel violated they always feel ki like you know injustice has taken place and it can take many forms they are you know always believe that they are right some people have very strong sense of you know right and wrong i am right you know so it brings that anger so slowly you have to see all these feeder energies and work upon it or allow the grace to work upon it then some difficulties will be very very obstinate because they are uh, our unique shadow I, 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 we spoke about it here no we spoke about it in greenville so they are each one's unique shadows which take long because they are obstinate resistances main thing is one watchword which mother repeatedly says my child endure 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 persist victory is to the most persevering rome is not built in a days you know lower nature is not conquered in one day one has to keep on persisting it's a long journey so be armed with a patience and endurance which does not start despairing you know if you years one has tried and nothing happens don't despair though i am the same stupid monkey no i am not the same stupid monkey i am a little more intelligent monkey that's it so you know then go on with that persistence and keep offering always to her most important is what cannot be done by one's own effort can be done by the mother's grace so these things will go they take time sometimes a long time one has to persist actually in such situations we should say that we don't give ourselves to that negative force so i'll tell you a small story where um, once a child was playing and uh, his grandfather came running and told him you know child uh, battle is going on in me is it battle is going on you 
what battle grandpa he said there's a you can't really understand but i wanted to communicate to you this battle is some two forces are fighting one good force and one bad force or the darkness and light then the child asks then who is the victory then he answers very beautifully he said to whichever force i give myself if i give myself to the force of darkness it is the victory of darkness if you give myself to the force of light it is the victory of light so it is up to you to decide to which force you want to give and in such situations like if you immediately you know follow the impulse or you know driven by that you give yourself uh, to that dark force or you add like you keep adding strength to that force then again there is a very beautiful story in the tradition once krishna satyagya and arjuna they had gone somewhere and when while returning it became late and they had to sleep in a forest it is you know filled in with lot of negative forces or the asuras or, or dangerous beings so they decided that when two are sleeping one should be awake so krishna and arjuna they were sleeping satyaki is awake now a huge being came and started scolding rebuking krishna and all these things then satyaki also started you know scolding him and then what happened as there was a verbal fight then it turned to a huge massive fight between them and then a uh, lot of noise and then krishna got up and it was absolutely impossible for satyaki to handle that being and then krishna and arjuna got up they drove him away then it was decided arjuna will be awake and krishna and satyaki they are sleeping then again that being came and then there is a fight between arjuna and uh, like why kya, why do you scold like this why do you come so i'll see to you so all these things you know but then fight and then again noise and then krishna and satyaki got up they drove him away now krishna said now you both of you sleep i am awake <laughs> now again this being is coming and is appearing before krishna and shouting and krishna is with all smile as if you no know, nothing happens to him so slowly what happened is the story it is given that that huge being it started reducing 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 because there is nothing coming back from krishna and then it reduced to a uh, 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 insect uh, like a mosquito and krishna is holding in the hand and then sitting then they got up they said uh, he must not have turned <laughs> in your book. and so he came he is here he has lost all his strength he had reduced to the level of a mosquito and has no strength then he explained that the moment you give yourself to these beings these forces they become very strong so don't give yourself to those forces but be very conscious at these moments there's a mother said never take any decision in such moments never give yourself to those forces because you keep adding strength to that the true surrender comes from the psychic except for example like mind has its own uh, things to do so it may to some extent it, you may think that okay this is the surrender the vital is not pure the vital surrender means like mental surrender may be like some kind of enlightened or some kind of thing or thought or imagination at the vital level you may feel that a pure emotion has come which is you, you may feel that that's the surrender but that's not the true surrender at the physical level it's the absolutely surrender means tamas inertia like 
you feel that okay it's is surrender but the true surrender comes from the psychic when you grow conscious of that central aspect the real essence in you then the true surrender can come so true surrender and self giving belong to the psychic there is a very nice letter of shubhendu is there in uh, volume 24 of sbcl where shubhendu speaks of psychic transformation and he says that mental surrender always has you know some kind of a reservation in it so you you know you start questioning this that and all these there is some reservation vital surrender is always has some kind of bargaining inside it that i'll surrender if you do this i'll surrender if you do that uh, tamsik surrender of course physical surrenders itself like a block of wood but the psychic surrenders unconditionally with no demand and reservations even if the appearances are completely dark the psychic will continue to surrender and not for a moment doubt or have you know distrust that uh, why divine is doing this to me though i have surrendered so the moment these things come that means the psychic has not yet step forward psychic surrender is unconditional asking for nothing in return that is a sign no it's like the surrender is the responsibility to hand over your life to the divine that was the statement and that is the start of yoga meaning thereby that to start with you say that look my life is no more mine you take me through whatever process it may be a pleasant journey it may be unpleasant journey difficult journey easy journey smooth journey but my life journey is now your journey that is what is implied and this only the psyche can do it hands over the responsibility of our life to the divine that's what the uh, what sampadda read is basically referring to that then you have to make it more detailed so there comes the offering part that you have given that my life is given to you after that i sleep off so you know the offering starts that you know good bad shubha shub or hani lab everything is offered to the divine then as we do that then comes the consecration where each of these elements begin to get purified so this is the three step process I think everybody has surrendered. <laughs> This consecration means like when all our beings are we unify and harmonize around that central will or the central aspiration. So it is not one part, not mind, not physical, or not the emotions, but every movement of our being, coming from maybe you know any part of our being, they all should be harmonized together. they all must come forward to collaborate with that central aspiration so when that happens so the last step is consecrated so our entire being gets consecrated uh, to the divine and then divine starts working on every aspect of that so that is what is meant by consecration but what do you said like you know saying all these things outside is feel happy little good but there is a great danger you know if you start uh, educating there in the ashram A situation, uh, not situation, but there is another. You know, most of them, you know, like no, but it's 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 as it is. As you have been put it, it's a human laboratory. Everyone has to work hard on oneself. It's not that people are not working. Everyone is working. Yes, sir. I mean, yes. Have for decades done these things. It's not like you know. I must say. that only when we walk the path of sadhana do we develop this humility that everybody is working in their own way 
then we realize how difficult it is. It's one thing to talk about it or read from others' books, and I can assure you there are people who have not only read, they will quote backward, forward all the pages. And I can also assure you they have tried real, real hard. So it's a, it would be a mistake to believe that, you know, people are not doing it. They're all doing it. But human nature has many, many blocks. Some things are maybe easy for me to surrender. And I will have my own blinders to my own issues. So I may notice in others that, look, you know, this part, this person has not surrendered. It is his defect. But actually, uh, that person will notice in me my defect. But that's where the difficulty lies, that I am not surrendering what I am meant to surrender, whereas the other person is not surrendering what he is meant to surrender. It is not so simple as that, as, you know, reading a book and doing it. It's a very, very long journey. One has to be very, very patient. Mother has said at one place, if you were integrally sincere, you would be transformed the next moment. It is a real, real, real tough calling. And we have to understand that, uh, have a lot of patience. Once there was a general, uh, not general, Admiral Rutledge, you know, that Navy commander. And he came to Ashram and he told mother, mother, you give me two months and I will straighten all these fellows. <laughs> I'm telling you a real story. Mother said, why two months? Take six months. After one month, he went back, said, mother, please. Only you can manage. And the reason of this is that one, the principle of freedom operates. Surrender cannot be compelled. Nobody can tell another person to surrender. I cannot tell X that you listen what mother has written. Why don't you surrender? Then I have forgotten the very first principle. That person in his own freedom has to do it. Second, there is one part which surrenders very easily. But there are hundreds which will resist. And we are not even conscious of them. As we grow in sadhana, as the light grows, then we become conscious of so many elements which are hidden in darkness. Then we realize, oh my God, it's a big work. It's like, you know, when we go to a house, many people, here I am happy, every house, every room is wonderful. But you know, there is a tendency, living room is kept very well. And you know, looks very neat and clean. Oh, what a lovely room. Then little bit kitchen, because it's connected little bit well. Then, you know, you want to go to the bedroom, it's okay, you know, don't, don't go there, it's fine. This is our situation, that when we live in the living room, it's easy to arrange it and we think it's fine. But divine next step takes us into the, into the bedroom, then into, you know, our bathrooms, restrooms, the attics, and then we discover, my God, what a massive work it is. So, you know, it's a long journey, long journey, everywhere, in everyone. And the mother says, one sign that you are really proceeding on the path is that you develop a sunny tolerance to the imperfections of others. Because you discover how difficult it is to struggle. And as long as we are, you know, um, we cannot, uh, we think, oh, why doesn't the other person do it? Means we have really not worked upon ourselves. It's really a long journey. Exactly. It will happen. The consciousness will grow. Is ab absolutely, this is the whole problem. We are aware of a very small zone and that is given to us to consecrate or surrender offering and consecration. Now, as we do that, light will grow. The process is like lighting a whole campfire. So we light a log of wood which is ready. So, you know, it, it is like a small little torch. We can see few things. 
So when the light is little bit, we see little bit things around. Oh, there is a little mosquito there, and let's now you know. Then light grows. Now when the light grows, along with that, we also observe that no, 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 there were little more issues around. Then the light grows further. Then not only does it ascend to the higher possibilities, it also shows us our darker depths. So it is a through a process. It will not as the light grows, we will become aware of our higher possibilities, and we'll also become aware of the shadow. You see, the Divine Mother at one point of time, forget about human beings, you know what she said? She said, each of you represents an impossibility. This is Divine Mother's words, not a human being's words. Then after a while, after the supramental descent, she says, do you remember what I told you? Then everybody has forgotten. She says, I said that time that each of you represents an impossibility. Now I want to be more generous. I must say, each of you represents a difficulty. So there is in each of us a representative difficulties which is uniquely my baggage or what is called in Christianity my cross to bear. And I have to do work on that. Now what happens very often, you know, nature works in a strange way. When I am blind to my difficulty, nature shows it to me, but paradoxically in others. If I am seeing a difficulty in everyone, be sure basically it's my problem which I am seeing in everyone. It's very interesting. This is how the world is arranged. It's like a mirror. So if we are really sincere, we'll see why is it that I'm noticing in everybody ego, ego, ego. So then we see, my God, <laughs> I'm the fellow who is egoistic, but I am looking ego in everybody. Similarly, you know, when people um, often stay in a state of denial, all these processes people pass through, they go into denial with their own desire. And they start seeing desire in everybody. Oh, look at this person has desire. This person has desire. I've met people, you'll be surprised and we all meet sometimes, they say, I don't have an ego, I have surrendered myself. But you know, is, is it so easy? That means I don't even know what ego is. If I've really gone free from the ego, then I'll identify myself with the whole creation. These are very, very big things, very big things. And only by her grace, they can be accomplished. So most important is to lean on grace. So consecration is a process of purification. As we grow, so we become aware automatically. It's not that. But of course, the more we are wanting to become conscious, the more we will be. But all, yeah, whole, and very importantly, one thing one must be careful. Sri and the mother have said repeatedly, focus a lot more on the positive side of the sadhana. Don't get involved too much with, oh, I have this difficulty, that darkness. Then there is a very beautiful writing. Mother speaks of censors. Some people will get so much caught up with their negative things. Just trying to fight it out. What, you know, that beautiful story. That constantly Satiki is fighting, Arjuna is fighting and he is growing. Whereas mother said, my child, sometimes it's good to just smile at the adversary and go past him. But you know, if something becomes like a critical voice, you are bad, you are wrong. And you know, one keeps on seeing bad inside oneself and the bad keeps getting stronger. We are hypnotized by the darkness inside us. So we have to be hypnotized by the light within us. So 70-80% of the effort should be only towards the growth in light, peace, harmony, beauty, love, ananda. And 20-25% should be towards tackling with it. In fact, as the light grows, the darkness will become weaker and weaker. And there also Shurabindu says it's a whole process of evolution. You can't do it by nigraha. There is a tendency which will go through its whole process. A whole essay on that. So you do with sanyama, regulation. And then slowly it reaches a point where it is very weak like a pakka mango and it drops by itself.
Chris. <laughs> what is the difficulty in understanding? Satchidanand. No, what what is your difficulty? Why do you? Is, is, is the consciousness. Sat is the, uh, the very truth, truth of our being, like we exist. This very truth of our being is Sat. And Chit is the consciousness. And Ananda is the, the delight, the delight of this existence. This is what you wanted, just the meaning? Or? If, if you can expand some consciousness, yeah. See, all of us have a limited um, existence. You know, we all exist. There is no doubt about it. No, we exist. Now, how do we know that we exist? Because we are aware of this existence. So, we have a limited awareness of a limited existence. We become aware of our existence through a faculty or a power which makes us become aware that we exist. Okay, so that's these two things are there in all of us experiential truth. And all of us are also aware of a certain degree of delight of being which sustains us through the journey. Now, this is we are, we can say in a certain sense, we are limited existence, we have a limited consciousness, and we have a limited delight because we are small. Now, imagine an infinite existence. Now, how does an infinite existence become aware of itself? Through infinite consciousness. It is that power of being that makes it aware of itself and makes it aware of everything else. So it is a power, a power of awareness. And Shurabindu also says that it is not just a power of awareness. It's also a power of creation. So whatever it becomes aware of, that possibility it gives birth to. So let me put it like again in our limited way. I become aware that um, I can write. Supposing I become aware of a possibility or I become aware that I can walk. A child becomes aware that he can walk. So what is the next step? He actually begins to walk. He stumbles, falls and eventually walks. So infinite consciousness, what is Sachidanand is the divine consciousness. So the infinite consciousness becomes aware of infinite existence, infinite possibilities and immediately begins to give birth to these infinite possibilities in infinite existence. In that process, it experiences the delight so it is all these three things are simultaneous and together in the being of Sachidananda. Now Sachidananda comes into existence simply because there has to be a way that the unknowable, the Paratpar, the Parbrahman has to uh, relate with the creation. So out of itself or that self or non-self, whatever we cannot define it, it shadows forth a being so that you know it can play with creation and that Shadowing forth a being out of itself is Sachidananda. Beyond that, we cannot know. If we enter into it, we'll enter into utter unknowable. So, consciousness is in anyone. Consciousness is the power by which existence becomes aware of itself. And it is also the power by which existence unfolds itself. So, both aspects are inbuilt in the term consciousness. That's why we say a stone is unconscious. It's not correct. All that it means is that the stone is probably conscious of itself in a very, very limited way. Animal is more unconscious than human beings. Animal is uh, only conscious perhaps of its physical sheath and its need of 
hunger etc so it is a limited consciousness and therefore it is a limited drive similarly plant is even less conscious only of some stimulus of you know heat and cold etc light and dark it's only it is a limited consciousness gods are conscious of something still greater they have a greater consciousness and the divine is conscious of everything simultaneously so this is how it is yeah so there's a very good practical question very very practical and i appreciate it but first of all let me tell you it's everywhere it's not because of the engrossment in job etc but yes certain atmospheres and climates or you know way a country is inbuilt yes i agree that a country may support the spiritual aspiration or may not support like you know in india every corner we have a temple you know you go within a 5 mile radius you will have a center and you will have some people coming together so it supports the journey now here that support system is missing to find a center you have to travel all the way you know 1 hour 1 and 1/2 hours through the busy suburbs and it's not a very easy thing so there are two things one has to do one is despite the busy schedule always find some moments when you can be alone and speak to the divine you have to find it you know it's a question of where there is a will there is a way this thing that you know we often give an excuse uh, i'm not saying about you but you know people give an excuse ki oh aaj time nahi mila it's really not true if we really want we will find time after all if a relative of ours comes we will find time we will you know change every schedule for the sake of that so divine has to become an important uh, thing in our life to start with and slowly it must become the most important thing in our life and then it should become the one single important thing in our life so it is a step by step to start with let the divine be an important thing in our life so while i am doing other things i should take out 5 minutes 10 minutes you know as tulsidas says so beautifully ek ghadi ya do ghadi aadho mein puniyad tulsi sangati sadhu ki har ek koti aparadh so try to find time when you have to relate with the divine now this connection each one will find in one's own way some sit and concentrate some sit and just quieten themselves some read something some listen to music depending on your nature predilection do that then there should be also some kind of a collective um you know um, collective um, movement where we can strengthen each other each other's you know aspiration uh, you know the typical shobindo reminds us of um, uh, what you know is given in the buddha's tradition buddham sharanam gachami sangham sharanam gachami dharmam sharanam gachami so the second is that you have a collectivity in which uh, which supports each other's aspiration and that's why the centers and all these places study circles they are important from that point of view then of course you have to try to live the path so while you are working what is the way mother would want us to work and uh, obviously uh, if somebody hurts my ego how is it that i should react in the light of mother and shobindo at home if you know uh, somebody shouts at me what should be my way of you know approach now obviously initially one would falter maybe you know fumble stumble a hundred times but if you keep that aspiration that i want to lead this life the way mother would want me to lead then slowly over a period of time one begins to change then another important thing is remembrance and offering see naam jap is something which one can do any time so whenever one feels uh, uh, one is missing out remember the mantra you know do her japa remember her Uh, keep some reminders within you know places so that one can suddenly you know the attention goes that's the reason why people keep photographs etc so that when you are driving let us say you have a mother's picture in front now you know the moment you look oh i am supposed to remember even for that flash of a moment you, it's a god moment in life keep some book carry some book in the office so when you have a little time 
जस्ट सिट बैक एंड यू नो रीड समथिंग और कंसेंट्रेट मदर सेट दीज मोमेंट्स ऑफ रेस्पाइट आर गिवेन टू अस प्रिसाइडली फॉर दिस रीजन विद इन द हाउस सिंस यू नो मेनी ऑफ अस आर लीडिंग इन हाउस होल्ड लाइफ ऑलवेज क्रिएट ए कॉर्नर विच कैन बी कॉल्ड एज ए सीक्रेट कॉर्नर ए प्लेस ए लिटिल रोम और ए लिटिल प्लेस वे विच इज गिवेन टू मदर कंप्लीटली एंड देन स्लोली लेट दैट कॉर्नर स्प्रेड आउट एंड बिकम द होल हाउस so that's why you know keeping mother's picture in every room i mean it helps because it's a reminder it's an atmosphere just keeping sure when those books creates an atmosphere it's amazing you know especially sbcl i mean you keep sbcl and it gives you that feeling that their um, consciousness is pervading even if you don't read magnet you know it draws so all these are ways to create an atmosphere within the house uh, is very important an important thing in sadhana which many people just take it lightly and miss out is that let there be no mixtures you know we say turn to mother consecrate to mother but we have too many fellows to turn around to all the gods of indian pantheon are also found a way if they find a way let them be to surrender to the mother now if we want to make our life more complicated by going through all these things fine if we want to do it nothing wrong with it that's a path but we must know we are creating complications because they have their own way of working but the divine mother will work in her own incalculable way so when we talk about surrender to the mother at the same time have all you know um, uh, whole um, history geography of spiritual uh, you know <laughs> traditions around us then we are actually in some ways unwittingly unknowingly retarding our advance so when we give to mother give completely you know once we have this trust that she is the supreme then there is where is the issue she will take care of everything so these are some of the ways that we can increase our aspiration while living anywhere and i must add that you know everything which is a difficulty also offers us a unique opportunity i don't uh, deny that living in new jersey new york or any city outside india definitely it is more difficult to do yoga there is no doubt about it i mean i can say for sure at one level because in india somehow the very breath supports your aspiration it's just that you enter and breathe and you feel if you are slightly open you begin to feel there is some kind of a connectivity but having said that it offers a unique opportunity to create a zone of light where there is darkness maybe this is the work uh, your soul has chosen so don't look at it like a difficulty but look at it like mother has sent me here because she really regards me as her soldier and uh, being of you know that may her light manifest here after all the whole world has to change it would be wonderful that you know uh, people have come here from you know uh, a country which is spiritually so nourished to a country which is spiritually so famished there must be a purpose you know so that guru nanak story when he went to a town where everybody was very good so guru nanak says ye gaon ujad jaye uh, दूसरा गांव में गए जहां सब लोग बड़े खराब थे बोलते ये गांव बसा रहे तो इस डिसाइबल से क्या आप उल्टा पुलटा बोल रहे हो गलती बोल कुछ ठीक तो है आज दिमाग ये गांव इतना अच्छा है द पीपल आर सो नाइस इट्स मच बेटर दैट दे गो ऑल अराउंड द वर्ल्ड एंड स्प्रेड दिस लाइट और ये यहाँ के लोग इतने बेकार हैं जहां जाएंगे वहां हंगामा करेंगे ये बसे रहे यहां पर तो ये तो बहुत अच्छा है कि यू नो द लाइट ऑफ इंडिया इज कैरीड बाय ऑल ऑफ यू टू दिस कंट्री एंड आई थिंक दिस इज द बिग यू नो शिविंदो स्पोक अबाउट इंडियाज गिफ्ट टू द वर्ल्ड दिस इज इंडिया गिफ्ट टू द वर्ल्ड योर वेरी प्रेजेंस इज इंडिया गिफ्ट टू द वर्ल्ड 
it is creating here a kind of atmosphere a kind of zone of consciousness which maybe a whole generation may not realize but you are doing it just by your presence so take it as mother's work and it's a wonderful opportunity spirit is the all pervading consciousness which uh, you know envelops everything permeates everything is behind everything so you can say in this way that this whole atmosphere i am using a physical analogy which envelops the earth is the spirit if i am talking of an analogy at a material level then the second is soul soul is a drop of that ray ray of that sun which is entered into this atmosphere for the sake of the play okay the soul or the psychic being soul develops into a psychic being and that reality is the sun which is beyond both the zone that envelops the earth and the ray which has entered into it so these are the trinity of our um, the divinity one is the individual and the individual true self it is the soul within us which grows into a psychic being it, it everybody doesn't have a psychic being but everybody has a little spark of that light and through feeding it nourishing it like everything needs its own food so satsang bhajan remembrance is a food now this little baby spark grows into a proper flame then into a fire so that is the individual psychic being now this psychic being this uh, and all nature it is all surrounded by an all pervading reality which is universal at every level it envelops everything as the stable support of all so that is the spirit what is called in certain traditions as brahman but beyond this individual and the universal there is a transcendent reality from which both are derived and of which both are a part and parcel that is the supramental sun so you know we can look at it like that this is one way to look at it all three possibilities are there in human beings to realize them together though they are part of this whole creation but in human being it is given to realize at once our individual cosmic and the transcendent self it's given to man alone so we have soul and uh, psychic being both in our body we are the soul which grows into a psychic being so it's not that we have soul and psychic being are not two different things but two stages soul is a general term any spark is the soul the indestructible immortal element in us is the soul but this indestructible immortal element is usually like a tiny spark in a crypt of darkness so you know in that it not able to exercise its influence it's like an infant in a crib or an infant in a womb so it is also an infant but uh, this infant may be born to become a seer and a sage or a hero but right now it's only a possibility so same way all of us have a soul as a spark inside us but not developed into a full blown psychic being now as this grows just as a baby grows through various steps and stages the baby in the cradle may one day end up flying the spacecraft so also this little spark of the divine in us what we call as soul or antaratma you see depending on terms have another problem that many people have given different names so i am talking of the essential thing as shurbindo has given now this little spark will grow as we feed it into a little flame 
and a fire then we don't use the word soul we use the word psychic being because it is a independent personality it's like a spiritual personality within us so they are you may say two steps of one reality and then of course you have the cosmic being and the cosmic uh, reality and uh, or the universal spirit and when we become aware of our psychic being through that we can also become aware of this universal spirit which is all pervading though it's not necessary to go through that path as sampad was very rightly pointing out even through the door of the mind one can enter into this cosmic spirit but the problem there is that one is unable to go beyond because this key is missing so the mind goes into it and merges into a kind of vast impersonality but if you go through the door of the psychic we go beyond the cosmic spirit and discover beyond it the anant gun shri krishna which when we go through this door then we discover otherwise one enters into a buddhist kind of nirvana one enters through the mind and one feels one has found that but one has actually touched only the hem of the transcendent so when we go through the psychic being we discover the individual divine we can also discover the cosmic divine and we also discover the transcendent from whom all these have come but if we approach through the mind then we enter into usually we touch the you know some aspect of the cosmic spirit and we merge into that because we we cannot go beyond it just by that power it's not possible mm. yeah 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 i mean see there are some subtle but we can take it that they are the same for all practical purposes the um symbolic meaning of i mean the hundreds of interpretations are given yeah what has touched me personally the significance which mother has attached to om and the definition what she has given so she says om is the signature of the lord it's such a powerful sentence like the moment you say om the god has signed in you <laughs> i i don't want to interpret it beyond that This is yes. Thank you. Yes, Ahana, you were asking some question. Uh, so, so the gods like the Radha Krishna or Vishnu, they're they're part of the older mind too, right? So I was wondering that can they ever progress to a system and something like Jesus? They have to take a human. <laughs> very good question. Yeah, yeah. They have to take a human birth. Yeah. Yeah. Yes uh, anything you see there are two ways of looking at it first of all all these gods they also reach out into the uh, you know they are born from the supramental reality so their true type is in the supermind but the gods which have come down in the tradition the way we understand it is are their reflections in the overmind so that when we use the word vishnu for instance we have an association of chaturbhuj vishnu and etc now he is obviously not even overmind perhaps a god which comes even at the higher mind level but in reality if you go past that what does vishnu represent you will end up with mahavishnu who is the eye of the deity so there you will see he is the chakshu of the supramental through whom the supermind sees this whole creation 
so it depends on how we look at it so these gods have their supramental realities but we don't relate with the supramental reality in tradition we have related with them only at that level similarly with krishna it doesn't mean that krishna is bound to the our mind krishna is anandmay but for the purposes of creation so far human beings have not related with krishna the infinite personality in the you know anandmay lok we have related with krishna as the godhead of the our mind all right now having said that yes if these gods have to re recover their supramental you know status if they want to recover then they have to take a human birth you know one of them will have to pick up ahana another has to pick up aditi and you know then but for that the psychic being has to develop to an extent that these uh, overmind godheads can enter and fuse with the psychic being of an individual it's a possibility what you are pointing out is a very deep truth and a very deep occult truth some psychic beings when they develop to a point they are connected with a being of the over mind who comes and takes hold of them so they become like demigods but that's where one has to be careful because sometimes these gods can start you know they come to change but they begin to influence us and while it is good it can make one like a godhead but that's not our goal so you know it another kind of tussle may start inside and ultimately if the psychic being is really developed these very godheads can be made to surrender to the supreme and naturally they become aware of their own godhead so uh, uh, the supramental um, truth so obviously they have to take um, a human body to really grow but naturally it means that first they have to come down many steps below and they are usually not willing if they can do it it will be a great leap there is a beautiful line in savitri uh, in fact two beautiful lines one of them is a god come down and greater by the fall there is another line a godhead grown greater by the human birth but usually they don't like it this i can tell you because you know that vast consciousness Uh, whatever it is we don't use the word ego but it's a larger much larger than human consciousness when it takes a human body it is like you have entered a prison and these beings often feel they are driven by a kind of idealism you know impossible ideas and impossible idealisms and they feel always caged within the body now it's very difficult for such a consciousness to really adapt to matter and for matter to adapt to this consciousness some of them in the process matter may break and uh, they may die very soon that is the significance of krishna's eighth being the eighth son of devki of course kansa was destroying but basically what happens is that every time such beings try to descend into a human mold the human mold cannot take it it's a big problem it's not easy for it to adapt the human mold may right from birth start to suffer it may you know throw up fits it may begin to as if grow unconscious and even you know because it's difficult for it to hold that uh, greater consciousness but if the adaptation takes place and the surrender takes place definitely it opens doors to big possibilities a very good question also it is said that gods do not have the psychic yes so that's why if they have to progress they have to take a human birth because they don't don't have a psychic being that's why human beings through the psychic can grow greater than the gods they cannot know the transcendent they have a inkling of that generally not even the over mind generally they are godheads of the higher mind level but they are projections from the over mind so we can find their true forms in the over mind still higher we can go we can find their origin in the supramental gnosis shobindo speaks of it in the records of yoga
the four great gods he has at one place even given this name brahma vishnu mahesh krishna but in you take the vaishnava tradition their names are different krishna pradyumna balram and aniruddh that's how you'll find the names of these gods so in the supermind they have their original types which nobody has seen except like you know someone like shurabindu brings that truth to us we have they have related with us through the our mind because we were not ready to relate with the supermind now what we call as these gods by these names we are referring to the over mind godheads or their projections still lower because human consciousness is unable to come in contact with that now problem with them is that they can help you up to a level but beyond that level they cannot do it so this was the big problem and they don't have a psychic being so they don't they cannot progress unless and they don't want to i mean they are like kings so <laughs> human birth means going to new jersey struggling for uh, making two ends meet <laughs> they are living like royal uh, you know they are deathless only in a particular after many kalpas there is a pralaya then they are absorbed back in the divine they don't know something most important the value of human tears they don't cry they don't know what it means to wrestle with the shadow so it's it's you know they don't want to do that is the divine and the god much we are talking about much of god head the supreme reality this god and the supernatural is it the one it depends on how we look at it generally the word god is not a very preferable term because it has been become associated in the human consciousness with a reality which is cut off from the world so we always say god so god is a being located out there but when we use the word divine it's an all compassing reality there is nothing which is not divine in the consciousness of the divine so in it's a much more all encompassing term and therefore it is closer to the truth of the experience but we cannot experience this all compassing reality so long as we are within the level of the mind so mind even higher mind uh, intuitive mind emotion um, illumined mind and even over mind creates this distinction so there is a god out there and there is a world out there but in the super mind all these are fused into a single truth so only super mind can give us the experience of the true divine because it alone can give us the sense of the divine in everything everywhere all encompassing entering everything becoming all things the whole you know reality that's why the significance of the supramental godhead yeah that would be saying like they talk about jesus and then god they talk about god also i don't know ha uh, yes father and the yes yeah 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 father and the son yes in a sense though it has another meaning also but the father son and the holy spirit so holy spirit is the universal uh, what is called it. and the son is the individual godhead the psychic and the father is the transcendent it is worse in india relatives part <laughs> but let me tell you it's a you know i can answer this question in a very absolute way but i also understand that when you are in a country which is not your own in that sense you know there is a need for a kind of support system which comes through relatives that's why what my feeling is why people like to you know keep in little more close touch with friends and relatives because it provides a kind of support but unfortunately with that many other things come which are like a package deal ideal is yes uh, whatever supports your aspiration keep that whatever doesn't support definitely one should cut off this is the ideal 
जाके प्रिय न राम वैदे ही सो तजी छाड़िए कोटि बैरी सम जद्यपि परम से नहीं दिस इज द इटर्नल ट्रूथ सो इफ यू फील दैट ए रिलेटिव और ए फ्रेंड और एनी एक्स वाई जेड इज नॉट सपोर्टिंग योर एस्पिरेशन इनफैक्ट कमिंग इन द वे ट्राई टू स्टे अवे एंड कीप ओनली दैट मच रिलेशन विच इज नेसेसरी फॉर द सेक ऑफ वर्क और वट एवर अदर थिंग्स में बी बट देर आर पीपल हु मे सपोर्ट योर एस्पिरेशन दे मे नॉट बी योर इमीजिएट रिलेटिव और क्लोज फ्रेंड्स बट ट्राई टू बी टूगेदर विद दैम एंड दैट विल हेल्प इन द ग्रोथ it applies everywhere same problem relative meanness is worse in india <laughs> meanness because there are plenty of them <laughs> if you live in delhi you know you are surrounded by them <laughs> lucky girl <laughs> actually sahasra dalan below is the reflection of the whole creation within the human consciousness so if you want to really enter into their worlds in the totality one has to go outside beyond it below it you have a reflection of all these worlds in through the chakras so that is why up till this point you can become aware of these worlds as they are reflected inside you but if you really want the utter freedom and liberation one has to go beyond it so this is the whole significance of the sahasrara it's like a um, exit point beyond which the true world of another order of reality begins up till then one becomes aware of these but only in a reflected way so all these chakras which are there are reflections of the um, you know cosmos entire co- brahmand into the pind sahasrar is the highest summit to which one can rise beyond it you enter into the true reality so it is not spirit yeah it is spirit in the sense that it's the door to the spirit so if you have reached there you have entered into the door of the you have already opened the door the door is open now you can go beyond and go into any anything you like you have got to that essential truth of things now with that truth you can see the reality you can see the different worlds from that truth so the moment one enters there one is given a new visa <laughs> travel everywhere before that one has one is sampling different shops or pavilions different culture pavilions and through that one can get some idea but if you go beyond sahasrar you have the right of entry not only into these worlds but you actually see them as they are in the divine vision of things so beyond it it is the spiritual vision of things that you know moves us and gives a totally a new vision of reality and everything else that's why the importance of sahasrar for those who want to go through the kundalini path but there are other paths also The first part is very easy. I am completely aware of at least two persons who are permanently supramentalized, the mother and Shurabindo. <laughs> and this is not a belief; it's a fact of my experience. It's a fact of experience. So I am just sharing you with that. There is no doubt about it in my mind. It's not just a conviction, but something I have seen and known. 
this is the first part <laughs> i do believe that some others are on the path and who are very close or some parts of their being may be supramentalized is supramentalized for instance about ab purani the mother said his higher intellect is supramentalized and fused with shorbindo with pavitra das he said completely fused into me now you know there is no greater felicity than that and then there are other experiences narrated by mother and shorbindo so there are various people to various degrees of supramentalization now uh, i do believe that people who are on this path whether supramentalized or not the choice between staying in pondicherry or away is not connected with that it's a very different uh, choice altogether and it's not that somebody who is more supramentalized or more on the path more advanced will necessarily be in pondicherry that logic doesn't apply a being because after a certain degree of development one is free to make a choice and this choice is totally unconnected with the degree of development it is depends on the soul's work which it has come to do the kind of experiences it has come together in this life that's all so one if one feels that being away in, i'll i'll give you an example you know one stays in the ashram uh, in pondicherry for whole one's life and one uh, discovers let's say one i'm saying not outwardly but the psychic i is wild away my time i was just running from here to there restless like a monkey thinking i am doing mother's work but basically i am full was full of ego so the soul may decide that well let me next time stay very far so that i can at least have a constant aspiration so it may choose to be born in amazon and suddenly find in its hand a book the mother and begin to change there are people like that simply because it finds this is the experience which helps me to develop so with the soul there is a degree of freedom and there is no logical one to one correlation not all developed beings are in pondicherry and not everybody outside is undeveloped i have personally also met some remarkable people outside i mean i i have not frankly met uh, children like the one which i see there you know seated there with these kind of questions it's not easy to find them in pondicherry and they have uh, grown up in uh, shorbindo international center of education they carry something different in them but this is an exceptional uh, psychic development which one doesn't find easily they have chosen to be here equally i have met people you know on the path excellent people wonderful people i have met wonderful people even in pondicherry i have also seen very very difficult people so there is no correlation and logical thing with regard to that also we have to understand the context is now changed so the 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 role of shorbindo ashram when mother is in her physical body and the role of shorbindo ashram and pondicherry when yoga has become generalized post 1956 they have undergone a change what that change will be i'll better not speak but they have undergone a change transcendent yeah that are not, what we have to think nothing these things are beyond the realm of the mental understanding the less we try to analyze and apply the logic uh, the the more complex the more difficult the understanding will be the best way is to surrender these things are a fact of revelation and when the time comes when we are ready if it is required the revelation will come in a flash by thinking we'll never be able to find out the same story of kain upanishad agni and vayu could not know the eternal indra also could not know but fortunately because he traveled through the subtle ether mother came and said look that is eternal that much he could know 
So it is by the grace that these things are revealed to us. If necessary, it's not even necessary to be revealed like that. And it's best to not to let the mind weave concepts because then these concepts and formations become a bar in the way to the realization. So, I know, I know. Literature, this is the difficult side of the literature. All that we have to remember is that there is a the words of Shirobindo that there is a soul within and grace above. All the rest is carried through that. When the soul is ready, the grace will reveal. All these things were never known to the rishis by reading books or to anybody. Whoever ever came to know about these things by reading any book. Well, maybe when a person is ready, a word or a sentence can suddenly open the door like, you know, Astavakra, one sentence or Rishi Ghora saying one word and Krishna suddenly, you know, the realization coming. But that is a different matter altogether. We can never know them by the mind. So mind, is all right that the mind becomes ready, it becomes open, receptive. When we read all this, we know that, well, there is a reality like that. But beyond this, it should not struggle. They will come as a revelation. Always they are like that. So by reasoning, by logic, the truth cannot be known. You know, the famous uh, example is uh, Kabir Das. He was unpard, I mean, illiterate person. And uh, all the Vedantes and Mimamsakas and Nayayakas, they will all gather around and ask him if he was saying, this is Brahman, this is something. So he gave them a patient hearing and he said, I don't understand what he was saying. And he said, Tu kehta kagaj ki lekhi, me kehta ankhan ki dekhi. So you say what is written in the scripture and I say what I have seen. And there is a beautiful aphorism of Sri Aurobindo where he says, they came and explained by their fine reasoning that God does not exist. And one day I saw God. Whom should I believe? It's a beautiful aphorism there. Whom should I believe? To their fine reasoning or to my own seeing? And also another aphorism where he says only what the soul has seen is true. Yeah. All the rest is opinion and prejudice. Absolutely. I think Paratpara is beyond. Yeah. Beyond that there is nothing. For the sake of play it brings out Satchitana. Paratpara is beyond. Yeah. I mean, it's above, above this we, we cannot we cannot speak anything. The moment we define it, we limit it. There's no word beyond paratpara. <laughs> <laughs> That's the last word. Shivendra <laughs> <laughs> speaks about it by saying, "He is we cannot say, nor he is not. For nothing too is a conception of himself unguessed. Both time and timelessness sink in that." Time becomes a wave, space, a wandering drop. What can we speak of that? In the one of the chart figure, I saw the soul. Uh, I know. Fold that figure and keep it in. <laughs> I'm aware of that chart and I'm very distraught with it. I know that chart and I always wonder why did the Lord allow this? <laughs> this chart, by the way, was made by Ebi Purani. And it seems it was okay by Shurvindo. Till now, nobody has been able to give me authentically that yes. But it goes as parts and planes of the mind, of the being. And you know, I have asked people this question. 
when did Shurabindu authenticate it and say this? Because this is so contrary to the way Shurabindu would do things. So they said, no, no, Ibn Purani had made and shown it to Shurabindu, and Shurabindu said, okay. I said, is there some document where he has written and signed and said, okay? Till now, nobody has been able to tell me. So I am not convinced that it is really. Uh, the chart which Purani ji has made is so complicated that, you know, uh, whatever uh, that Aankho Dekhi wala problem hota hai, you know? You wonder that whether this is true or all that has been revealed to you is true. <laughs> so best is to keep off. Because it's, you know, see, I'll tell you the big problem is, now you look at a sea. Now each, imagine each wave in the sea is a world. And each mini wave within it is a mini world. Each drop within it is a further world. Now try to define it. There is no strict demarcation. One wave is merging into another and crisscrossing. How to actually bring that reality on a chart? But experientially, this is how one experiences it. So the best way to understand the chart is to read Savitri, Book of Traveler of the Worlds and the Book 3. If at all, that's where one will find the much uh, clear, absolutely crystal clear description if one wants. And exactly as these worlds are merging, emerging, entering, what a revelation and uh, uh, you know, our mind will automatically, the image that the mind will form, which will be depending on how much the mind is ready. But that will be a much more truer thing, authentic and true to us than, you know, reading through the chart. Shurabindu's book 2 and book 3 give the whole chart. So, I think, uh, Govind, I just wanted to read a letter from Sharmindo, a part of it, and uh, was hoping that uh, both you and Sampanda could comment on it. And hopefully this will be the last question. I mean, if anybody else wants to ask anything else. All right. Um, uh, so Sharmindo says, if one wanted the divine, the divine himself would take up the purifying of the heart and develop the sadhana and give the necessary experiences. Uh, it can and does happen in that way if one has trust and confidence in the divine and the will to surrender. For such a taking up involves one's putting oneself in the hands of the divine rather than relying on one's own efforts alone. And this implies one's putting one's trust and confidence in the divine and a progressive self-giving. It is, in fact, the principle of sadhana that I myself followed and it is the central process of the yoga as I envisage it. So, I just wanted to see if... Uh, <laughs> Someone had asked this question to uh, the mother, sweet mother, what is meant by the divine gives himself? And the answer is, it means exactly this. That the more you give yourself, the more you have the experience. It is not just a feeling or impression or sensation. It is a total experience. That the more you give yourself to the divine, the more he is with you totally, constantly, at every minute, in all your thoughts, all your needs. And there is no aspiration which does not receive an immediate answer. And you have the sense of a complete, constant intimacy of a total nearness. It is as though you carry it, as though the divine 
were all the time with you you walk he walks with you you sleep and he sleeps with you you eat and he eats with you you think and he thinks with you you love and he is the love you have but for this one must give himself entirely totally exclusively reserve nothing keep nothing for himself and not keep back anything not disperse anything also the least little thing in your being which is not given to the divine is a waste it is a wasting of your joy something that lessens your happiness by that much and all that you don't give to the divine is as though you were holding it in the way of the possibility of the divine giving himself to you